You are listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 122, featuring special guest Jane Bruce of Broadway's Jagged Little Pill. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? This is Maggie Barra, and welcome to another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic or join our Facebook group, the Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Don't forget that the theater industry is a business and it's all about branding and marketing. You can be the absolute best actor in the world, but if no one knows who you are and you don't know how to market yourself, what's the point? Learn how to easily define your brand and communicate it through websites, social media, headshots, resumes, postcards, and audition material by grabbing a copy of my ebook, Marketing 101 for Actors, an actor's guide to successful branding. Simply go to actoraesthetic.com shop to get your copy today. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining me again this week for another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. It's Maggie, and I am just so thrilled to share this episode with you today because it features a chat with someone that I deeply admire, and her name is Jane Bruce. She's an actor and songwriter originally from Utah, and she's also a graduate of UMish for musical theater and currently COVID-paused from performing in Broadway's Jagged Little Pill. Other credits include The Other Josh Cohen Off-Broadway, The Ballad of Little Joe at Two River, and Original Sound with Cherry Lane. Her EP of original songs, It's You, was released in 2017, and she has an indie folk album coming out this year, as well as a commission from South Coast Rep for an original folk musical. And we talk about everything. In this episode, you'll hear Jane talk about her college audition process, her training at University of Michigan, her honest transition from college to the quote-unquote real world, New York City, songwriting, and of course, Jagged Little Pill. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Jane, welcome to the podcast. You're out in New York, yes? Yes, I am. Back in the city after a stretch Living at home mm-hmm. after the good old pandemic began. <laughs> the pandemic. So you grew up in Utah. Tell me about how you initially got involved in theater. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I was always a bit of like the weirdo outcast creature a bit. Um, my family's not Mormon. And so, you know, I, it was just an interesting experience always. And then when I was in elementary school, my fifth grade class wrote and opera quotations, quotations with the choir teacher. Uh, it was not an opera, but, and she was probably the most patient person in the world. Um, and I desperately wanted to be the lead. And the lead was, the biggest role was a, a male character. And I was so mad that even though I knew I was the best, that I couldn't play the biggest role. Um, <laughs> but uh, I played like a river princess and I just kind of was obsessed. I like 
called the two community theaters in my area afterwards to ask what shows they were doing and if they cast and if they cast according to gender and or just according to talent and um uh became like a the crazy theater kid after that point never really even considered doing anything else which maybe I should have but I was I was pretty all in so you always knew then that you wanted to pursue some aspect of theater yes yeah yeah I just was and I think I was so fortunate to have incredibly supportive parents who wanted me to kind of do whatever was going to make me happy and were so supportive of my dreams and were not at all attached to me, like staying close to home. You know, it was like, okay, well, if you need to go to New York, you're going to go to New York. If you need to go to a school that's far away from home, you go to the best school you can get into. You know, I was very, very, very fortunate. Right. Which is what you did. So you went to college, you went for BFA musical theater at University of Michigan. Um, What was your college audition process like? Was it the typical process for you? Oh my gosh. I, when I, I do some coaching and teaching now. And when I work with kids who are kind of embarking on the audition process now, like, I mean, I would not have gotten in. I would not have gotten in. <laughs> First of all, I'm a technology grandma. So my pre-screen would have been like filming like the, you know, everything to the side of me or something, or like it'd have no audio. Like it'd be some train wreck, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I, I was lucky. I auditioned for a couple schools. I got into University of Northern Colorado like really, really early in my process and then also got into Elon before the winter break. And so I was able to really strip down a lot of my auditions because I loved the Elon program so much. And uh, again, I felt just crazy lucky. And um, let's see, I sang uh, Cockeyed Optimist and some Frank Wildhorn song that I probably shouldn't have sung. And all my monologues were like, 40 year old women, like who were mad at their husbands, like, you know, uh, but I just, I, I think, I think my experience was positive because I just loved it so much. And, and being in a, and then coming from a place where I didn't have a lot of access to like people who'd been on Broadway or people who were really doing it. Like everything was just so magical and amazing to me to, you know, anytime I got to do anything that was performance related, I was over the moon. So I felt very fortunate that overall my audition experience just felt like a great learning experience. And um, yeah, I, I, I still look back and I'm amazed that at what transpired and how fortunate I was. And it's pretty unfathomable, really. And I mean, I'm I'm almost I think I'm approaching eight years out of school now in the, in the spring. And that is also just like bananas. You know, I almost feel like I'm not at all qualified to even talk to any young person about like anything. It's like, I don't know, just be nice to yourself in your head and everything will work out how it's supposed to. And learning is great. You know, like, I don't know. (laughs) So yeah. So you said you've been out of school for now eight years. So tell me about how you think that your training at University of Michigan prepared you now for a career in theater. You know, I feel very grateful that my class at Michigan, you know, we're not like a class that has reunions every two seconds, you know? Um, but I think when we were at school, we, we deeply cared about each other and really, really valued our education. And I'm so grateful that I was learning alongside a group of people who probably at times we were too hard on ourselves. (laughs) I think we all had a little too much of that inner critic, but I think it made us work really hard and take every acting class seriously and every opportunity seriously. And, and so I think, um, 
yeah, I think, I think in those ways, like the fact that I felt like I was surrounded and supported by people who were so curious all the time, you know, and had, um, so much integrity and, and humility in their process kind of allowed me to become more than anything, just an adult human that I feel like had my priorities fairly, fairly well in order by the time I graduated. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I think every, every, any of those programs that you go to, it's really what you make of it, you know? And, um, I was really glad that I was able to take some additional acting classes with the acting majors and do some, um, like film stuff with the film program and, um, kind of write music and get to explore that aspect of my creativity while I was there. And, um, it was, it was wonderful. And all while being in a place that was like safe and warm and exciting, but not my parents, you know, or my, or Ogden, Utah, you know what I mean? It was that perfect little capsule of, of time, I feel in a, in a good place. So I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint like exactly how it, it affected preparing me for the business. I mean, of course there were lots of things about the business and the industry that we learned about, but I always think more about how I'm very grateful that for whatever reason, the person, the adult that I became while I was there, I think was, was pretty okay. As far as 22 year olds go, you know? (laughs) So you went to Michigan, you're from Utah. What was your transition from all of that to, did you go straight to New York? What did you do after you graduated? Oh God. I was so sure that I would be just like naturally like a city girl. Cause I'd always wanted to live in New York, but I really didn't visit very much before I moved. And, um, I mean, it was wild. My friend and I subletted, I think my first place was subletting from a drag queen who lived like actually in the Bronx but we didn't realize that like 225th street was actually like really far from, <laughs> it's very far from like midtown. And like, <laughs> I ended up getting a restaurant job through some Michigan friends, uh, like Connor Ryan. I don't know if you know him, he's a sweet pie and Olivia Hernandez. I like worked with them at this, uh, little restaurant that was like in Soho. So I felt like I lived on the train. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a, definitely a shock to the system. And I think I'd been so confident in school that, you know, I was confident in my abilities and I was confident mostly in my like work ethic and my ability to, to bring something to any room I was in. And I don't think that I'd really, in some ways I'm grateful, but I, I don't think I'd thought too much about like, well, what's my type? And like, oh, I'm, I'm graduating without my equity card. And, you know, I, I, I was a bit, uh, it was definitely a difficult transition because I think, uh, I, a lot of things had come rather easily to me, you know, in a way that I probably took for granted in my journey along the way. And I think moving to the city and showcasing and, you know, not having an overwhelming response, not having everyone like immediately, you know, wanting to cast me and everything, uh, was uh, what I needed, I think, you know, I think there's obviously at times I think about what I could have done differently, uh, that might've led me towards a job like Jagged sooner, you know, that it, you know, but, uh, but ultimately I, I wouldn't change anything because whatever those lessons were in those six and a half years in the city, uh, before I booked my first Broadway show were all things I needed to learn. When it comes to the business, 
in those six and a half years, what, what were some of the biggest lessons that you learned that you would tell Jane at 22? Uh, definitely always being someone that people will want to have in the room and work with is I think your biggest asset. You know, every opportunity is is an opportunity to like plant a seed that can grow into something. Um, and I am not someone who's very good at, or very comfortable with like maintaining relationships and sort of that more traditional like business connection way, you know, um, I, I really struggle with some of that. And I think I probably could have been a little bit more, I could have been a little better at that. You know, if someone had reached out and said, Hey, I, I'm, I'd love to help you keep me in the loop, you know, invite me to your things. I think sometimes then when those moments would come up, I'd either not remember <laughs> or not want to bother them, not want to trouble anyone. And so I, you know, I think I was, it was the Utah in me not wanting to like <laughs> bother anyone or, 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 um, take up too much space that probably certain balls could have gotten rolling a little faster if I'd been a, a bit more gutsy, but ultimately I think, you know, being authentic and having integrity and being a hard worker, you know, paid off. And I also was very lucky to, to, um, start being an audition reader pretty early in my time in the city with, um, Jeff Josselson, the casting director. And that was an incredible experience. How did you get, how did you get involved with that? I don't really remember. I feel like I had auditioned for something. And, you know, when I graduated, I had super short hair and was non-equity. And so it was like all moms, all moms, (laughs) all the time. So I think he called me in for something. Uh, Oh, he cast me. One of my first jobs, uh, my first year in the city was in falsettos, a production of falsettos at Sharon Playhouse as Dr. Charlotte, the adult lesbian. And, and, you know, like old enough to have gone to medical school, you know what I mean? Like we're talking, (laughs) she was older than me. Um, but he was so lovely. And I think after that, he just reached out, uh, to see if I was available to be a reader. Um, and I always said yes when I could. And, Last year, I, I started reading for a film TV office, which was so cool. Um, and I just think it's amazing. You get to kind of be a fly on the wall and see the process and see how sometimes just that delicate, you know, kind of almost like scientific combination of being easygoing in the room, but really prepared, making really strong choices, but not making choices that are like crazy just for the sake of crazy. Like it's such a it's like a, an, a mathematical equation, I feel. And I feel very grateful that uh, I got to, to learn that a bit from the other side. It's incredible. And I think it's also so great because it's a wonderful experience to be in an audition room, which is usually such a stressful environment, but to be probably the least important person in the room, you know, like, and it's so important. It's so good to have that experience. And it sort of shakes off the intensity of what those rooms are. Um, in some ways you learn like really good things. And in some ways you learn just like hard truths that can make it easier for you when you don't get the job or you don't get the callback because you know that you've been in rooms where you just hear the conversations about like height or, you know, costume size or, you know what I mean? Again, the thing that I'm most grateful for is that in my class, I, I feel like none of us thought we were the best in the world. We were all there to learn. And I think it's so tricky with social media and it's so hard to keep that perspective of like, you know, it's not, 
as long as you're enjoying what you're doing and you're always trying to absorb something and learn something and, and believing that you always have something to learn, you actually, I think are happier and you, you, I think have the potential to go so much further than if you are in a situation and feel like because you have gotten a certain opportunity or because you got into a certain program that it means that you're like toss, toss, fierce, the best, like impervious to any critique, you know, it's, it's a tricky balance because you have to be confident, obviously, but I think you also have to learn. So you eventually down the line, you, you make your Broadway debut in Jacket Little Pill. Can you talk to me about that audition process? I, let's see, at that point I had, uh, I, I was just coming off of doing um, a really cool show called The Ballad of Little Joe. And it was like this gorgeous, like folk country musical theater score. And I got to play a role that was so satisfying. I got to play opposite Teal Wicks. And she was so gracious and so wonderful. I lived with Kristen Stokes. You know, I got to like hang out with her all the time. Like it just was such a cool, it was an amazing group of people. And it was such a rewarding experience. And it really felt like I'd done a lot of regional stuff and I'd done a decent amount of new stuff, but it felt like the first time I was getting to to be a part of something new that really felt like it was going to be one of those kind of landmark things of like my identity in the business, my place in, you know, really laying out for whoever, the world, whatever, like what I was kind of about and the kind of stuff I wanted to do. And so I think after that, coming back to the city, I was just a new fire was lit, you know, underneath me. And before that, I'd been sort of, I don't know, feeling discouraged and wondering if like maybe I should change gears or try to go back to grad school, which has definitely been a longtime dream um, to get a a master's in acting and uh, was considering going to Chicago. You know, I just before that, it had been sort of a tricky time. And I feel like the confidence I felt after that show really fueled that whole next year. And I started taking voice lessons with someone new and just kind of felt like I was pounding the pavement with a renewed sense of confidence. Um, and then the Jagged Audition sort of came out of the blue. I'd, I'd been trying to get an appointment for a while and, you know, kind of, I, I had been at that level where it was tricky for me to get in the room for Broadway projects. Um, or big projects. Um, and I think a lot of that was because once my hair grew out and I was equity, it was like, I sort of had to reintroduce myself to, to everyone in the business a bit. And, um, it was, it was a great experience. It was, um, I was really fortunate. I had just met Lauren Patton, um, in a concert. Cause my boyfriend who was not my boyfriend at the time, but we, we kind of had teamed up and we're starting to play shows together with our own music. And, um, one of his best friends from school was dating Lauren. And so she performed in this concert that I also performed in and I knew she was in Jagged. And so I got this audition and I, I asked Elia, I was like, can you connect me with that girl who's in Jagged so I can like ask her about like what these scenes are about and like, what's the vibe and like, what's Diane like? And, um, and she was so gracious and, you know, again, it's all, when you know the context of something and you have more information, it just allows you to not be quite so nervous and panicky, I think. Um, and it was great. I remember I, I played zombie by the cranberries. I I knew that Catherine was, was playing the role that I was going into understudy and I knew she played guitar. Um, and she'd also been in a show that 
Elia had written. And, you know, so I was like, okay, like, I, I think I kind of know what she's about. Like I can give like Catherine adjacent vibes, you know, like, I think she's more of a Janis Joplin. I'm a little bit more of a Joni Mitchell, but like, we both got that like guitar, you know, cool girl tattoos thing going like, um, and then I had to do the Bella scene. That's like really heavy and dramatic. But then I also had to do the like coffee shop, like bitchy white women scene. Um, and then we had to sing this, like the high kind of floaty, uh, soprano thing that I, I do in the show. And, um, yeah, it was great. I mean, the dance call was really hard, (laughs) but really, oh my God, it was so hard. But also because it was Atlantis, I was like, oh, I know, I know her. I know like the energy of the music. And, um, I feel like that's the only thing that ever helps me when on, on the rare occasions when I go to dance calls is like digging into the groove and the energy and the story of the song is like my only lifeline, uh, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a super positive experience. I remember when I had the callback and it was just a few girls going in for it and they were all, most of them were people I knew um, and thought were really, really cool. <laughs> and I was so terrified and uh, intimidated and they're all so beautiful and so talented. And, um, you know, I, I had that kind of typical, like that iconic moment, you know, sitting in the hallway, uh, you know, got a notification from my bank account that like a bill had been paid and I had, you know, 73 cents in my account. Oh my God. You know what I mean? And I was sitting in the hallway, like, okay, okay, whatever's out there. Like, does this mean that this is finally going to happen? Like, can this please mean that this is it, you know? Um, and it was great. Diane was lovely and, um, it was great. The whole experience was great, but it was also an interesting, you know, it it was just an interesting experience in the sense that, uh, my voice teacher actually had kind of put the good word in, uh, to get me, uh, in the room. And it's just an interesting lesson and it's no, you know, no tea or shade to the casting director, but I believe, you know, there was some discussion of like, oh, well, Jane's not, she's not right for this. You know, she's, we don't need to see Jane. She's too cookie cutter or something, but actually Diane was like, wow, yes. Um, and so it's just, it's so, it was an interesting lesson in, in like, and I think an interesting moment for me to realize that like, I needed to be more involved with how I was perceived by people in the business. And that, that whole feeling of like, not wanting to take up space or not wanting to like infringe on anyone's time or anyone's whatever. It was like, Oh, wow. I need to, I need to make sure people know who I am and what I can do, you know, cause I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want to ever miss out on an opportunity again, because, um, for some reason down the line of being in the city for however long I've left a certain impression that is not what I would consider true of myself. You know, that's just a testament to just continuing to live your authentic truth, uh, inside an audition outside the auditions and that's so hard it is so hard it's so hard especially when you have to go in and play a character I mean if you're going in for certain characters that don't vibe with who you are as a person it's really hard to show them who you are as a person because you're you're so invested in in doing justice to the the piece you know right and especially when you're just in that phase still where you're just trying to get your foot in the in those doors you're just trying to like you know, and sometimes, and I'm sure a lot of it too is because I'm sure I had certain auditions, you know, years prior where I wasn't probably prepared enough, or I, I was so nervous that I biffed it. And 
it all, it's just so interesting the way that, you know, each, each thing is like a little brick you lay and you can't, there's so many things you can't control, but certainly finding the joy in like getting to perform and be creative in audition settings is a great tool and like being prepared. I think that's a big one that I'm, I took for granted, I think when I was first in the city of just like, no, yeah, I'm ready. Like, but then you can't account for like the nerves. And so then, you know, you can't do your best work if you're not really sure of, you know, and I don't, I also don't think being prepared means like marking out every single beat. I, I, it just means like, you really know, know the lines and know the notes really, really, really well, Know the material, you know, and then, because then you'll have the freedom to make choices in the room that are spontaneous based on where you're at or what your reader's giving you, or, you know what I mean? But if you, I just feel like there were definitely some missed opportunities earlier in my career of just not quite, not quite knowing my shit as well as I should have. Hmm. Hmm. Amen. I feel the same way. And so it's hard, you know, and that's the other thing when you're, when you're still trying to break into that, you know, when you're working a restaurant job and babysitting and doing everything you can to just pay your rent, it is a lot harder to have the time to then, you know, do all those things or get your book looking all fancy and chic and you know it's tricky it's a balance that takes time so that's not something that has to be expected to to perfect right out of college yeah, yeah. And, and unfortunately that's I think the expectation you know it's or or even if you're not if you haven't perfected it even by like junior year you know it's like I don't know it's bananas and even even the expectation that young people who like performing or maybe have gone down this path you know, in their high school years because they're talented, because they love it, because they like the community. But then there's an expectation that you're supposed to commit, you're supposed to throw all your life chips in that one bag at 18. Bananas. Bananas. And then I think there's this bizarre pressure once you do do that, you do get into this program that like choosing to do anything else is very like sad. And it's not sad at all. That's just such a, I think that's another thing that as an industry and as a business, we need to get better at is like being nothing but supportive when people decide to explore another curiosity, you know, it doesn't just because you go to school for musical theater or even move to the city and are an actor for a little while. Like if you choose to do anything else, it doesn't mean that you like couldn't hack it or that you weren't good. You know, I hate that. And it just doesn't serve anyone. Like the, 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 like the skills, the, the like magic that comes from being an actor, a performer, someone who learns all of these tools and all about this craft, like those are things that are so applicable and delightful and magical gifts in so many other realms, you know? So you're also a songwriter, which is so cool. So how long have you been writing your own music? Um, like, I mean, I just turned 30, so it's, it's a weird to enter a new decade. And, and now it's like, oh my God, I've been writing songs and playing guitar for like 15 years. Like that's long. <laughs> Um, I actually was self-taught. I just started taking formal guitar lessons for the first time. Cause I was like, you know, I want to be, I want to be, I want to, <laughs> I want to sound like I've been playing for 15 years and not like, you know, um, not like I'm flying by the seat of my pants all the time, but I started playing guitar in high school. I think just cause I, I thought it was cool. And I was like, I had these, I had my theater friends and then I had these other friends who were like these awesome, like vintage wearing there's still two of my best friends McKinley and Devin and they were so cool and they 
they didn't really know anything about theater, but they had this great taste in music and they just like, I don't know. And, and I feel like I discovered so many new artists at that time. And, um, and, uh, I, I think I also at the time didn't realize how much my dad's taste in music really affected my songwriting. You know, we listened to lots of like Sean Colvin and Lucinda Williams and Alison Krauss and kind of a mix of, uh, yeah a mix of like a lot of female kind of 90s singer songwriters and also some country Americana stuff and bluegrass. And, um, and then I did musical theater. So I think I, my songs were very much like journal entries. It felt like how I could just get out my feelings. My McKinley and Devin were such like prolific journalers and I just could never, I, you know, their journals were so pretty and cool. And I would like, I still have like, probably a hundred journals that have like six pages filled and then are empty, you know? <laughs> but then when I want a journal again, I'm like, well, I have to get a new journal. I have to start fresh. So songwriting was sort of how I just felt like I could get out whatever pent up stuff was happening. And, and then when I was in college, I started playing more and I would occasionally play shows or I'd like busk, you know, for dollar bills and like the alleyways, you know? Um, and then when I was at school, a few people came and visited because there are so many people who've been in the Michigan Musical Theater Program who also write musicals, you know, Pasek and Paul, and there's so many new people coming out of the program who kind of do both. Um, and so they brought in a few people starting my junior, senior year to kind of do small group sessions uh, every once in a while to just work with those of us who were also writers. Um, and Nick Blamer, Nick Blamer was one of the guests. And um, when I got to the city, he was like, Hey, you know, I'll help you book a show at Rockwood. Like we can split the set and then you can get introduced to the, to the, to the booking people. And, um, so it's been a slow journey of, I think, trusting that it is, it can be something that is part of my like creative identity in a more career sense without it just being kind of a hobby for me, but I'm working on an album, finishing an album that I recorded like two years ago <laughs> that I are all songs that I wrote uh, during the out of town tryout of Jagged and was very, uh, I was so inspired by being immersed in all of this very, very honest music, you know, and this very uh, emotional and, you know, I think the way that Alanis in Jagged Little Pill and in some of her other songs as well, just channels anger is something that I had never really explored. Um, being from Utah, I didn't ever like, you know, I don't know. It's like, you're not allowed to be angry. I don't know what you mean. And um, <laughs> anyway, so I'm finishing that up and um, I did this really cool songwriting program uh, a couple summers ago called the Johnny Mercer Songwriters Project and um, got to work with some really awesome people. And again, just another kind of lucky thing I fell into when I first got to the city I ran into someone who I had been to the Broadway Theater Project with in high school. And he was currently assisting Andrew Lippa. And he was like, oh, we ran into each other on the street. It was maybe my first summer in the city. And he was like, oh, you write songs, right? Like, I'm part of this songwriting group that meets, you know, once a month or every couple of weeks or something. Like, I'll add you to the list. And I started going. And I was one of the only people who wrote uh, kind of like folk pop stuff. A lot of it, a lot of them were you know, musical theater people, but I mean, it was just such a cool group of artists that would go, you know, and um, Heath Saunders, I met through that and Alex Oyen and Zach Zadick and like so many um, Ryan Berkowitz who does these amazing like 
songs where she writes original songs to sound like artists that she does like these incredible um, impersonations of. And I actually met my boyfriend there um, like many years ago. Again, we were not, you know, dating at the time. And, but we both knew, you know, we met there and knew that we wanted to like make music together. And so it, it kind of became this um, space that was so important to me to just kind of explore and meet other writers. And through that, I, well, through my boyfriend, Elia, I heard about the Johnny Mercer program and did that. And um, yeah, so it's been like a slow journey of, of, again, I think trusting that uh, aspect of my creative self in a, in a, in a more serious way. How would you describe your music? I think it's very informed by kind of like the 90s singer songwriter model. Um, I think because of my musical theater background, my lyrics are often pretty storytelling focused or, or rather direct or straightforward. Like I don't, I, I'm trying to actually get better at sometimes writing with like more metaphor and, you know, more poetry. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm very inspired by Joni Mitchell, obviously. And um, I mean, there's so many like just 90s chicks that I love. I love Amy Mann. Um, I, I'm actually trying now to go in a more country direction. Um, Elia just recorded this incredible country album in Nashville uh, that I was able to go down and help him with because I'm not at work. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and it was so, so cool. So so now I'm like, oh, you know, I want to I want to go more the Americana direction. And I think also people like Casey Musgraves and Haley Witters and all these amazing, you know, Brandy Carlisle, like it's there's this whole kind of other subsection of country music that I feel I really relate to in terms of how I approach writing and and singing. And, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to get in there. Yeah. And are you also writing a musical as well? I am. Let me tell you, there are no dance numbers. It is not. Actually, there is a dance number. But um, currently, I, I was really fortunate, actually, from being an audition reader, I met David Ivers, who is now the artistic director at South Coast Rep. And he kind of called me. I felt like it was out of the blue, um, like a year and a half ago, right after I'd done the Johnny Mercer program. And he's like, hey, do you want to write a musical? And I was like, that sounds so scary, but sure. So yeah, it's been kind of a, a cool, just slow process of, of me getting to figure out what it is. And currently it's, it's like a, a one woman show, um, but I'm writing it to be the kind of thing I would love to do. I did um, speech and debate in high school. I did an event called Dramatic Interpretation that was basically like a 10 minute monologue, but you could play as many characters as you wanted. And it's like a crazy event basically. And my debate teacher was like, I literally know nothing about this. Good luck. So I like cut and directed my own pieces every year, getting to go to nationals. And I always joked like, I'm going to win nationals my senior year. And then I did. And which was crazy. So I have this like bizarre, like giant trophy at my parents' house. Um, but I, the coolest part was I got to play all these different people that I could never technically play, you know, because you're just in like a suit in a classroom, you know, so it's all like body language and pantomime and, you know, accents and stuff. So, uh, I'm, I'm, it's been fun to write this thing, this one woman thing and think about like, okay, well, if it is just me in a band, like how many different people can I play? And like, what can I, how can I make it something that is really exciting for me to get to do? And maybe someday someone else, you know, who knows, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been, 
and it's been challenging and scary. And I had, I had quite a bit of writer's block last year. Um, I think possibly just cause I was very busy being in my first Broadway show and being an understudy and like living at the Broadhurst and navigating all of that. Um, and yeah, uh, but I feel like I'm, I'm starting, I wrote my first like scene about a month ago, you know, I'd never written like lines. Um, yeah, so it's exciting. Who knows? Who knows what it'll become? But yeah, we'll see. I was really inspired too. Um, I don't know if you ever saw The Lion um, by Benjamin Scheuer. No. Uh, it's this beautiful, uh, you know, he was in it, wrote all the songs, and it was about his um, kind of his family and his his struggle with cancer. And, you know, he had all these guitars on stage and he's an incredible player. Um, and it was just so cool. I was like, wait, that's a thing, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I feel like it's pulling a little bit from that sort of experience, but more messy and weird. And I don't know, we'll see what it becomes. Jane, I just wanted to say thank you for joining me today. And I do wish you the best of luck in New York. What a crazy year it's been, but we'll get through it. And then we'll look back and be amazed that we got through it. Yeah, thanks so much for talking to me and all my rants and rambles about various things. And it was so great, so fun. If you enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it and share it to your Instagram stories so that I can see who is following along with me there. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Join me every single week for a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, bringing you behind the scenes of the theater industry. Until then, this is Maggie Barra signing off. It takes a village. I'll see you next week.